Mealtime Podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. And I'm so excited to tell you about our brand new in-depth Bible study academy. Have you ever wished you knew how to in-depth study the Bible for yourself? But maybe you just don't have time to go to Bible college. Well, join us this year as we adventure through 12 different courses designed to give you the background and the tools to study the Bible for yourselves. You can find out more information about the academy on our website at coffeeandbibletime.com. Well, I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about finding the healing power of Jesus in our brokenness. You know, it's so heartbreaking to realize how many of us are walking around day to day with the things that try to take our joy, things like pain and shame and regret things that leave us overwhelmed and broken. Well, our guest today, Tony Collier, author of the book, Brave Enough to be Broken, How to Embrace Your Pain and Discover Hope and Healing, is here with us to share biblical wisdom and practical steps to help you stand in your brokenness and experience healing. Jesus longs for you to understand that you are worthy of the healing that he offers. But first, a word from our sponsor. You already know that we at Coffee and Bible Times strive to help people delight in God's Word. That's why we love Alabaster and their inspiring Bibles. In addition to the visually appealing design, these Bibles are an engaging way to delve deep into God's Word. You can purchase books of the Bible individually or in bundles. Either way, your faith is sure to flourish. Alabaster Company has perfectly designed an intersection of creativity, beauty, and faith in each and every book. Use our promo code CBTPROMO or find our link below to get 10% off your order and let's experience God's beauty together. Tony Collier is a hope coach and the founder of Broken Crayons Still Color, an international women's ministry that helps women process their brokenness and reclaim hope. She is a popular speaker and consultant who helps organizations with creative marketing, leadership, student ministry, and strategic planning. It's her passion to show women that they can be both broken and beautiful as they work out their healing at the feet of Jesus. Tony also teaches regularly at Story Church Atlanta, founded by her husband, Sam Collier. Tony and Sam live in Atlanta with their daughter, Dylan, and son, Sam Jr. Please welcome Tony. Yay. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Ah, you're welcome. I'm so excited. I had so much fun looking at all of your information and yeah. even um, on your church's website, that cool yeah. song that you guys are uh, charged with leading your church with. And yeah. ah, what a joy just to get to know you. Well, let's just jump in. 
because right at the beginning, your the book's intro, you say the greatest gift that I've ever given myself was the bravery to press mm. into pain and the freedom to heal from it. Wow, you are brave, girl. <laughs> you know, pain is something that I usually try to avoid at all costs. Yeah. I think a lot of us do. How did you find yeah. the strength to lean into your pain? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think that the truth is I don't I didn't have the strength for myself, but I had a daughter, right? And we were in, you know, a difficult and toxic and abusive marriage and situation. And I say this all the time. I just don't think I had the confidence in myself, the worthiness in myself to get out and find safety and healing for me. But when I saw fear in my daughter's eyes for the first time and I thought about her future, you know, it it connected a lot with my childhood. You know, I was like, gosh, I had such a rough childhood. I just don't want that for my daughter. And so for anyone, um, I want to change. It's even in my book. Uh, she's the book's dedicated to her because her existence and my desire for her to have a really healthy life is really what allowed me to step into the fullness of healing and leaning into pain, knowing that, you know, the healing journey isn't just this care bear Teletubby land. It's not linear. It's extremely painful. And in order to effectively go through the healing journey, you have to be willing to embrace the pain. And so, yeah, it was my daughter that really pushed me forward. Oh, yeah. What did, what advice would you give women then who are just afraid of how much that healing's going to hurt? Because some people just don't even want to go there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think embracing the pain and knowing and being aware that it's valleys, it's darkness, it's hard. It's hard to look back at the things that broke us in the first place and really succumb to this idea of, you know, how could someone do that? How could, why am I in this situation? Then we question God and we question the situation. I think the advice is to be aware and to be okay with the valleys, not because we're strong enough to endure them, but that if we are aware that the healing journey is painful, then we can invite God into it that much more, right? It's, I don't think God's calling us to endure pain. I, I think he's calling us to sit in the pain and allow him to endure it for us, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. to be there, to, to call on the God of witness, the God of relief, the God that says his burden is easy and his, you know, his yoke is light. I mean, that's the God I think that we forget to call on when things get really hard, but when things are hard and when we have the willingness to embrace pain, it's when we see his grace and mercy and closeness the most, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Her, and it's so hard sometimes when, you know, we're scared ahead of it, but like, I think what you just said is so freeing, right? If we, God really does want to yoke that burden with us. And so if we allow him to do that, then we can, Absolutely. Experience the true healing. Yeah, that's good. Well, you, you begin chapter one with a raw description of your rock yeah. bottom. You're so authentic. Yeah. Um, it's, you said you felt like a complete failure. If, if you could give your younger mm. self <laughs> a piece of advice, what would yeah. it be? The one thing I say to little Tony, because I invite all of her and her feelings into the room all the time, um, and I do that very purposefully, um, is that God is kind. I think there was this thought that God was this big, mean God, and he was shaking his finger at me for everything I'd done, for everything I endured. And I ran from him, right? I'm like, okay, if there's nowhere... 
if there's not a kind God, there's nowhere that I can run to except for idols, except for numbing, except for addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's not going to rescue me. Where was he in the first place, you know? And I think if someone had sat me down and said, actually, God is the most kind. He wants to be with you. He wants to get messy. Then I would have run towards him and I think I would have found some relief. I think I would have found him as my source. And I also think I would have been connected to more resources early on because I would have been praying for it. And and I think we just have to do our best to remember that in really painful situations in the brokenness of who we are. I think it's important that, you know, we start to go back into our Bibles and read story, you know, read Exodus and read Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. I mean, all these, these books where we see Israel just define God, like left, right after left. I mean, they're just going back to all their hard ways and idolizing so many things, but God is still just like, I have a plan for these people. I've chosen these people. And I think that if we remember that we are a chosen people too, that we have a divine lineage, that God's not going to leave us in the messy stuff. As a matter of fact, it's the one of the hundred, right? He's leaving the 99 to come after the one lost, the one crazy, the one that he's just like, Lord, I just can't control this one. I got to go get her. I got to go get him. If we remember that about God, I, I think I think we'd fight a little bit harder. I think we'd hold on a little bit tighter um, to everything that he has for us, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a good thing to think about because so many of us, um, I think we get caught up like in the current emotions of the situation, yeah. right? And But if we can try yeah. to remember. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our in-depth Bible study academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Well, even I even think that what you just said is really powerful because oftentimes if our lives are like, you know, a field and when we have trauma, when we have really hard situations, we kind of like zoom in, like we grab a magnifying glass and we zoom into that one part and, and our judgment and our sight and our vision is all clouded by that one part of the field. But if we could actually come up a little bit higher, look at the whole field, look at our entire lives, look at all the circumstances, it's, you know, what we talked about in the Bible. If we, if we begin to remember all that God has done, I think that one blip, because oftentimes it's a blip in time, wouldn't overcome us. You know, it wouldn't take us out. It wouldn't crush us. Yeah. And, yeah. and truly, I guess when you get older, like I am now, I'm able to look back and see like this one year of my life that was the mm. hardest year I have yeah. ever been through. Yeah. And I, and I think, oh my goodness, I can see how God used that now. 
Yeah. And that is just, there. It's, it's beautiful because at the time it sure didn't think or seem like good mm. things could come out of it. Well, you mm. raised your daughter as a single mother for two years. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the single moms who just maybe feel like they're barely holding on? Oh, I actually posted something on my Instagram about this the other day. I was um, recording season three of my podcast and it just, it just fell into my heart to, to say this publicly. It's one of the things that our family counselor told us early on when we were processing through divorce. And I'm kind of like a, you know, I've got the superwoman gene. I want to do it all. I want to be all things to all men in all the wrong ways, you know? And um, I remember our counselor saying to us that our, our children have buckets, Matter doesn't matter if we're married, doesn't matter if we're single, divorced. Our children have buckets and we've got the mommy bucket and the daddy bucket. We've got grandparent buckets. We've got bonus dad, bonus mom buckets. And the truth is God has only designed us to fill our bucket. That's it. And our mistake oftentimes as moms is to try to fill all the buckets, right? Like there's something missing. Like I got to fill my bucket. Then I also got to be the dad. I got to fill that bucket. And the more we try to pour into buckets that we weren't designed for, the more empty ours becomes. Mm. And so early on, I decided that I would challenge God and say, you designed me to be a mother, not a father. That's how you designed me. And so if there's any absence in the life of my children in the fathering place, you need to fill it. Lord, it's going to be on you. And I think he wants that, right? He's a jealous God. He wants to show up for us. He has abundance in the spaces where we are completely empty. And I could, I remember vividly shifting out of this, you know, masculine warrior energy into the nurturing, gentle, soft woman God created me to be for my daughter. Mm. And she got the fullness of me and not half of me. And and that's what I would say to single moms, give your babies the fullness of who God created you to be, because it's going to be the best. It's what they're going to need. And then challenge God to fill the rest. And he will. I bet that feels like a huge black cloud lifted when you can finally do that and then really focus on being the mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, in your book, I noticed that you you do talk a lot about numbing our emotions. I think all of us have done that in one way or another and how it really doesn't aid in healing and wholeness. Um, Talk about how numbing just isn't the answer and what we can do about that. You know, uh, one of the psychologists that I uh, follow, Brene Brown, she talks about this idea of how our neuro makeup is designed. It's almost connected to each other. Pain and joy are connected. Hope and hurt are connected. And what that means is as we experience joy, we experience pain, you know, through those same neuro pathways. And sometimes what we do is we do our best to numb pain, right? We numb the hurt. We don't want to endure it. We don't, we're just like, Mm-mm. when we numb our pain and our hurt, we inadvertently numb our joy and our willingness to access those types of emotions because God obviously made us super complex, but he also made us pretty simple. You know, like when it comes to emotions, we experience all of our emotions out of the same neural pathways. And so I would just say to someone, if you really want the fullness of joy 
and hope and happiness in your life, then unfortunately you have to also be willing to experience pain and hurt and betrayal and abandonment. My friend, Carrie Scott Garcia says this, she said, you know, hope rises from the dirt, right? You don't need a whole bunch of hope. You don't need a whole bunch of faith um, when everything is going well. Our faith is exercised when we are challenged to move mountains or ask God to give us the strength to climb them, right? And so we don't rob yourself. Don't rob yourself of all of the emotions we were designed to um, to hold and to experience and know that God just doesn't waste anything. He just doesn't do that. That's just not who he is. He He can turn the scraps into a triumphant symphony. He is masterful at turning all of our pain into divine purpose. And so don't rob yourself, God, the opportunity, people, the opportunity to learn from what you've endured because they really will. I mean, I'm literally a living testimony right now on this podcast. Like, gosh, that really sucked for a while there, but I'm so glad that I have words to speak out of pain that will hopefully inspire someone today that's listening and watching this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love how you are very much an open book. Um, yeah. But even you've said yourself, you're sort of still in this process of healing. Yeah. How do you balance your recovery and sharing mm. your struggles as someone who's in the public eye? Well, I always say this, I, I am going to do my best for the rest of my life to lead from whole places. I think a common mistake that we make is that we start to try to lead out from places that haven't had some level of healing. I do my absolute best to speak on things that I am hopeful about. That's kind of the indicator for me. Typically when I'm bitter about something, sad, a little bit angry, a little bit spiteful about something, it's it, needed, it still needs some healing. And there are areas still in my life that still need some healing. There was a, I'll just share this. And I don't think I shared it publicly before, but I've got a second book that I'm writing now. And I started writing about this specific topic and I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to change and revolutionize the church, da, da, da. And the Lord started to convict me righteously on the fact that I wasn't ready to write about it, that I still had some animosity. I still had some bitterness and I was devastated. Okay. I had got my writing coach. I had done all the outline. I mean, it was just amazing. And I'd wasted in my mind, all these people's people's times. And my friend was like, you're going to write that book. Maybe one day, not today, but you will write that book. And the Lord was so kind in my obedience that he gave me another really amazing book that I'm working on now. And I'm grateful for that. And that's just me holding up my end of integrity saying, I will not talk about things that I am not ready to speak about and lead about, lead on from a hopeful place. And so that my advice to anybody would be check your heart. Like we got to have accountability around us. I have accountability around us, but you know yourself, you are your greatest accountability. If you were walking in step with the Lord and you're allowing the Holy spirit to righteously convict you. And so tell your story, be unbridled in the things that God has brought you through but also make sure you're through them, right? Through the most painful parts of them so that 
the fruit that you bear will be fruitful and you won't be on Facebook live talking about how much you hate your ex. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious, you know? So I just think there's some integrity that and some morality that we have to be sure we have once we uh, decide to lead out from those places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I kudos to you for being self-aware and just, know. you know, the detecting the Holy Spirit's guidance and saying and being willing to step back when yeah. we know maybe this isn't just the right time yet. <laughs> it may yeah. still come. I know, uh, I know. I know. In chapter 10 of your book, there's a mm. section on keeping your eye on the enemy. Yeah. Tell us about the way he attacks and um, what are those lies that he's trying to deceive us with? I know. It's unfortunate because I only had room there at the end of the book to write about three of them. Okay. But the truth is there's so many. And so I'm going to maybe give a few in a nutshell here, but I think the, the pain comparison trap, I think the enemy can allow us to look to our left and right and compare our pain. And either we say things like, well, my pain's not that pain. Like I haven't been through that. So I just need to be quiet, right? Like I just, this is just too much. And when the Lord is saying, I bottle up every single tear and I did not in my word tell you which tears I bottle up. It's all of them, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a big thing is not to fall into the pain comparison trap mm-hmm. and allow ourselves um, to, to belittle our pain. Right. Um, I also think the enemy will attack us and say, um, it's, I, I'm just alone. I, I'm alone out here. There's no one that's, that's here to rescue me. And unfortunately we have seen, um, so many leaders and pastors fall. And the root of that has been shame, right? The root of it has been, I need to hide what I've done, what I've been thinking about, how I'm feeling because I'm on a stage or I've got a social platform or I'm an influencer or I have to protect my kids. When in all actuality, I mean, shame is a thief, goodness gracious. Shame will allow us to sit in isolation where everything will fester and grow. And the enemy will keep us there. But the truth is, shame says that I am bad. Guilt says that I've done something bad. We can be guilty. We can be guilty of things, right? Like we're guilty of sin because that's just who we are as imperfect, imperfect human beings. But we can also decide um, that guilt can be restored, right? Like we don't have to allow the enemy to attack our identity, which is what shame is, an identity attacker. It says I'm not worthy. It says that I've done something wrong and God will never redeem this. But you can be restored from guilt for sure. Um so I think those are just some of the ways. And I just would encourage people not to let the enemy allow us to hide. There's a scripture, James 4, 7, the message version. I love it so much. It says, yell a loud no to the enemy and watch him flee. Mm-hmm. Whisper a quiet yes to Jesus and he'll be there in no time. Mm-hmm. That means that when we're in pain, when we're enraged, we get to yell at the enemy and tell him to leave. But if we don't have the energy, we really could just whisper to our Sar Shalom, our Prince of Peace, mm-hmm. and he'll be there in no time. Yes. And I think that's like the greatest threat to the enemy. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Whenever I'm feeling yeah. threatened, I'm like, in the name of Jesus Christ and by his shed blood, you know, I declare. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's over. And the enemy's like, spy. It's like, I know, but yeah. I know. We've got the right weapons here, you know? Yes, yes, we sure yeah. do. Well, In the book, you also write that 
one of the things that you often hear from women is that they know God, they believe in his power, but just everything is still so hard. How do you Mm. suggest that women process this, you know, especially Mm. if they're, they feel like they have a close relationship with God? Oh, yeah. I think that it's, it's helpful for us to hold the tension of knowing who God is and knowing who we are. And this is maybe going to be hard for someone to hear. We are broken, sinful. And by we, I don't mean just us individually. I mean the world that we inhabit. We are, we live in a fallen, broken world. And it's almost as if we place the character with of God, the character of God in cahoots with the brokenness of man. And when we do that, we get really upset at the Lord because we have not esteemed him into his rightful place, which is hovering over the chaos, right? Genesis, the Holy Spirit hovered over all the darkness and all that was. And, but instead we don't allow God to hover. We, we tether him to all of our problems and all the things that we've ever done and ever endured. And that is not who God is. When we start to understand the sovereignty of God and have and put him in his rightful, holy place. I mean, this, again, is why the Old Testament is so important. It's our foundational crux to the holiness of God, right? Like we just see, oh, New Testament, Redeemer, Jesus, we're all off the hook here. No, 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 no. That was his final and triumphant attempt <laughs> to help us because of how broken we were. That was not him taking on our brokenness, being tethered to our brokenness, or to be put to blame for our brokenness. He was saying, I came down here and was one with you, not because I'm like you, but because I I just at least wanted to be close enough to you so that you could see my divinity and my goodness. And so I think it's helpful if in our painful times, we blame where the pain has actually come from. Because if we can blame, this is a complex thought, if we can blame where the pain is actually like sourced from coming from, then we can start to have the hope that God can actually save us from it because he's bigger than it, because he's hovering over it, not tethered to it. And that's what has helped me. I have genuinely a childlike faith. I'm like, if I jumped off a building, I'm pretty sure God could save me because I really do believe he could, right? Like he is that powerful. Now he may be looking at me like, sweet girl, I have given you brain, a brain and some brain cells (laughs) and you should not jump off that building. Okay. But I trust in his divine nature so much that those are the types of thoughts I have, but those are the thought, the types of thoughts that I have in everything. I'm like, if the Lord raised someone from the dead, okay, <laughs> then he can raise this situation from the dead. He can do it. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Like, let's not forget who we're talking about here. Someone that can raise someone from the dead, allow the blind to see part an entire ocean. I can barely even stay afloat for three seconds. Let's be honest here. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm a fallen, broken human being. And he is a divine mountain moving, sea parting, dead raising God. Allow him to stay there in his place. Yes. Allow him that. Yeah. And I think relief will come. Uh, I, 
I, I love the way you've worded that with the tethering, you know, when we tether him to us versus when we let him ho- hover, because yeah. I think that's where all the confusion, mm. like you said, happens. Yeah. Is we, we start to blame God and he's really, mm. and, and I think it also emphasizes the importance of reading your Bible yeah. and knowing who God is. You can't yes. know that unless yep. you're constantly learning and growing in his word. Mm-hmm. Well, Ugh. let's talk a little bit about perfectionism. Oh, <laughs> and what's you, that you know, the key to success is not perfectionism, right? You you like no. to talk about how it's surrender. Um, yeah. Tell us uh, some examples of that in your own life. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the reality, honestly, of my entire ministry, right? Like, I remember I got saved at 21 and I was still living a real wild life. I just... I thought, oh, I could just say yes to Jesus and that's just it. There's only salvation here. But really there was a life of sanctification on the other side of that. And it took me a while, four years actually, to understand that concept fully. I was walking in the idea that I was like a fan of God, but not like a follower of God. And I mean, just, yeah, still living my life. And it's really because I thought, I believed that perfection was the key to success. I was like, there's no way that it's, like brokenness that it's admitting that I'm wrong. No, it's me like showing up and pretending that I am like the best Christian in the world. That's what this is. Right. I remember reading second Corinthians chapter 12, um, the apostle Paul, one of my most favorite Bible writers and teachers and church planners and apostles in the forever. And in chapter 12, he, first of all, like second Corinthians specifically in this chapter is one of Paul's like most vulnerable moments. He's usually teaching, correcting, planting all the things. But in this specific chapter, he starts talking about everything that he's been through. He's like, listen, guys, I have been on boat starving. I've been in and out of jail. Like he's just like, I have just been through some stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's really kind of being sarcastic to them because they're dealing with boastfulness and they're just being crazy in Corinth after they planted this church. He's writing them these letters to correct them. And he's like, I can't even believe you guys. I mean, look at all that I've been through. I'm the one that should be boasting. I should be boasting about like, look at all I've done for the kingdom. He then says, but I have this thorn in my side. That reminds me of my weakness of my brokenness. And, And when I plead to the Lord, I'm like, take it out, take it out. Like, I don't want this. I don't want this thorn in my side. I don't want this reminder of my weakness. I don't want to have to surrender to this. He says that God responds by saying in verse nine, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Hmm. It is. And my power is actually made perfect in your weakness. Yes. Right. And so Paul sits in that and he quotes God. And then the second part of the scripture, which is kind of like our call to action, he goes, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power will rest on me. I think I've hit a point in my life where I just, I want God's power more than my perfection Mm. because it's fake. It's not, it's not even real perfection. It's actually just fake perfection. Mm -hmm. It's man-made fabricated, hiding all the broken parts, perfection. It's false. And when I get the moment, when I get any moment to surrender every day, I wake up with my arms, my hands up like this and, um, John Eldridge has this resilience, um, path. And he says, Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you take over my life because you're better at it. And 
it was in those moments and it's continues to be in those moments that God lets me be on coffee and Bible time, you know, like <laughs> none of the, I mean, it's just him. Yeah. I'm not actively pursuing lots of things. God's actively opening doors because he can trust that I'll surrender. I will not try to make it about me. I'll always point to him. Yeah. And, um, I think that's, that's where the fun stuff goes. That's where it comes out at. It's like, Oh, look at God. Look how he opened all these doors for me. I'm not even trying. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Oh, if we can totally relate to that. We, you know, the three of us have been part of coffee and Bible time, my two daughters and myself. And yeah. one of my daughters um, went like for a six month missions trip to Ecuador and Colombia. And she was with YMAM wow. doing all these things. And, and we literally thought, how in the world are we ever going to get through this? Well, it was the same thing, just trusting God in, mm-hmm. and he, he brought us through. You just, in our, you know, what we perceived is it definitely was yeah. our weakness and he came yeah. through like a champ. <laughs> Somehow he always does that. Mm, he does. Well, um, mm. I know community is very important to you. Yeah. So what are some steps that women can take to cultivate a healthy mm. and loving community? Oh, I love community very, very much. I'm actually in something called a confessional community, and it is just as hard and beautiful as it sounds. Okay. A confessional community, we meet um, every month for three hours. We are very intentional about that. And then once a year, we meet up in person for four, three to four days and we dive deep. It has been one of the most healing things I've ever been through. Um, I've got sexual trauma in my past. I've also been through a 16-week sexual trauma group. A community group. And that was just hard. It's hard and beautiful, hard and beautiful, hard and holy is what all these things are. Here's why. Because our God-given Christ-like community is literally like my friend Ann Voskamp says, Jesus with skin on. People show us maybe 40% of the type of love that God shows us, which is a lot, first of all. But when we can get 40% from the people that we can touch and hug and receive love from here on earth, it makes God that much bigger. Because if a friend would call you when you're going through a divorce, when you're in the hospital sick, if they show up and send flowers, how much more would your God do? Mm. But without those reminders, it is very difficult for us to imagine that someone's coming for us, coming after us. I would say it doesn't have to be a lot. Our confessional community is seven of us. Um, And it's been, again, one of the most healing things I've ever found. And we're all in our local churches. Um, But even before I had this confessional community, I, um, was in my local church with small groups, right? I mean, it is the way that we find community and, or one of the easiest ways in my personal opinion. And I I would tell anybody to do their best to get connected to a local church. And if that local church is healthy and thriving and has the capacity and the resources to do it, they will help connect you to other godly people. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's important. It just is. It's it's almost like a non-negotiable. We have some non-negotiables in our marriage. We don't really yell. We don't do like those are some things that keep us afloat. I think a non-negotiable in this life as a Christian and as really just a human being is that you got to have people who can see you. And I mean, see you and all your ratchetness. Okay. Um, because what happens is they, they remind us that we are, we are like imperfect and we're super wired for struggle and imperfection and brokenness. But in the same breath, we're still worthy of love and belonging. Only people can make you feel that way. Mm. Only people can sit up in your living room and know everything that you've been through and all that you've been done and say, I still love you the same. That unlocks something in us. Somebody's listening and watching right now, taking a second to think about everything that you've done, everything, every bad nook, cranny, ratchetness, alcoholic, all the things that you've watched, all the things that you've done wrong. If someone in your life knows all of that and they still show up for you, oh my gosh, that heals you. That heals you. That heals you. That sets you free. So many ways, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I was just reading a book yesterday that was talking yeah. about how loneliness is just escalated so severely, especially since the pandemic and how important these communities can be. And if there are any of you listening that you're not plugged into a local church, even, I mean, we have people in our small group, we yeah. have a women's um, yeah. a mom's ministry small group. And yeah. sometimes there's people that aren't from our church. We welcome everyone. <laughs> and so I yeah. encourage you to like, you know, Tony said, you got to mm. get plugged in somewhere yeah. and it's, it's going to be your group that holds you accountable. Mm. The group that'll pray for you. Um, yep. You know, that'll be there during the good and the bad. So, yeah, I love that. Great point. Well, mm. um, before we start to wrap things up here, I just wanted to talk about how many Christian women feel mm. ostracized after a divorce. Sometimes oh. it's self inflicted, sometimes it's coming from other places. Yeah. Um, I want you to tell us about the letter that you wrote and yes. the impact that it has had. Mm. I remember when we first had this concept as our women's organization, Broken Crayon Still Color, we were like, man, you know what would have been super helpful in our healing journey if we had like letters, like if, if someone, if a woman that had been through what we've been through before, if she could just like deposit some words. And so we couldn't find it anywhere. And we were like, we're going to write it. We're going to create them. So we have like a letter for the single mom, a letter for the divorce, a letter for the woman that's battling depression, like all the letter for the woman that's been church hurt, like all these beautiful letters and these beautiful words from women that have been through it and have come on the other side of it. And I wrote a letter to um, the divorced woman and the line that kept coming when I was praying about it before I wrote the letter, the line that kept coming up into my brain was divorce just doesn't get the final say. And I think that's what we all believe and have been taught that it does. Divorce gets the final say in our stories. No one will love us again. We are unworthy. I grew up Catholic. So I have this belief, you know, it's over. God's super mad. I've sinned past any type of redemption. Divorce had gotten the final say in my story. And when I, I remember submitting it to the Lord, um, he just was like, 
Tony, why do you think I died on the cross? I didn't die on the cross for periods, for the ends of sentences, stories, and situations. I died on the cross for like a comma. My death was like a comma. And it's a comma in your story, in your life, in the way that you process things in your daughter's life. Divorce does not get the final say. It does not close out your story. If anything, it invites me in to do even more healing and miraculous work. I've forgiven you, be released. And I look now at my life, I'm happily remarried to a man that loves Jesus and loves me and my daughter to a man that's changed my life. We just had a son about you know nine months ago, 10 months ago. And it's crazy that I really did believe that my story was just over as if God is not the God of commas. And so I would just say to you, divorce doesn't get the final say, take that badge off. Mm. Take that little name tag, sticky name tag that currently says divorce, erase it, crumple it up, get another one and write redeemed mm. on it, mm-hmm. daughter on it, yes. hope filled on it, whatever you want to write, write it on there mm-hmm. and take that other one off because it is not over. It's not. Yeah. I'm sure that that has just been so so encouraging. And I love how mm. your, so your organization has those that you can send yeah. to people and encourage them. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, before we go here, Tony, tell us, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your ministry mm. and how people can find out more information about you in the book. Yeah. So, um, all thing, all things for me is at Tony J Collier on everything. T O N I J C O L L I E R website, Instagreasy, YouTube, all the things, Instagrams. Um, and there's so many things going on right now. I've got my book brave enough to be broken. It is quite literally a, a healing roadmap for women, a biblically a sound healing roadmap for women that are going through the healing journey or interested in starting. Um, I say this all the time. I could tell my story anywhere and I have told my story in all the places, but that's not what this book is. This book is about women having resources so that they can actually heal. Like that's what's going on. It's like a step-by-step situation. And so it's great. Um, and I'm getting ready to relaunch some of the things that we do through our ministry uh, or not relaunch, but open up. So I'm opening up our courses again. So we have a healing uh, journey course. We also have a course that we're going to be releasing in the fall on divorce, post-divorce. So helping women that have gone through divorce and it is hard and beautiful and awesome, but it is a hard course to go through because there are some consistencies that we found in women who have gone through divorce that um, it's just hard in that first couple of years. And so we want to try to make it a little bit easier. Um, but it's all in there. We have devotionals on anxiety and abuse. We also have a, a devotional that's coming out on depression. But again, everything's on TonyJCollier.com or Tony J. Collier on Instagram. And you can just follow along. We're opening some things up and we're excited. It's a really fun time. Oh, you're doing so many amazing things and so many different aspects of your life. It's so exciting. Well, Thank you. before we go, I need to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions. What Bible is your kind of go-to Bible. What translation is it? Mm, Oh man. Okay. So this is interesting. My book has all NIV, 
but I've, I'm doing the Bible in a year right now and they recommended ESV. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I've actually been this year reading ESV only. It's interesting. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great translation. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? I know you talked a little bit about journaling in your book. I know I do. Um, so we, I have this method. I still do it to this day. It's called seven, four, one. It's seven minutes, four days with one day of reflection and simply put, I'll try to do this in a nutshell, but it is in the book, like step-by-step, but for seven minutes a day, you essentially do a check-in. It kind of, for those that are like, okay, I have never journaled before. I've never spent quiet time with Jesus or I, I, I did. And then now I like fell off and now I'm trying to get back in without feeling so much shame about it. This is like a perfect thing. So seven minutes, you go to God and you do an emotional check-in. How are you feeling? Tell him how you feel right now. Tell him some things that you experienced maybe yesterday. Just kind of do like a recap of yesterday and the end of that day. Um, and then you repent and then you ask the Lord honest questions. So in our ministry, we are not just about like, oh, let me just say some nice things about God. Let me just tell him how much we love him. Obviously, yes, reverence. But we like to ask some honest questions like, God, what do you think of me? If there was a word that you could bring into my my mind right now, my heart, could like that describes me, what would you say? God, when I'm in my lowest moments, what do you think of me then? Like, pray an honest prayer. Like we're like, let's get down to it. And so that's the seven minutes. So whatever you hear from the Lord, whatever you feel from the Lord, it may be like lavish and crazy. And you're like, I cannot believe I'm asking these things or I'm feeling these things, write it down. And then you do that seven minutes for four days on the fifth day, go and reflect on some of the things that the Lord, you felt the Lord has spoken to you and pressed on your heart. Um, and just keep doing that. And it's this on-ramp, this like daily little on-ramp that gets you back into not only intimacy with God, but also from like hearing from him, like really believing that he is orchestrating your days and he's showing you different things throughout the day with nature and all the things. So seven, four, one, don't forget it. Seven, four, one. Yeah, that's a great tip. Okay. Lastly, what is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? Oh, this is so vain, honestly. It's it's a little vain and it's also really amazing. I love my friends over at Uversion. I love I've been a part of the Uversion um communications team for a couple of years. I get to do the verse of the day. And um I just really do enjoy that some days I'll open up my app and I'm like, okay, let me do my devotional and it's my own face. <laughs> And I'm like, not because I think it's cool, not because it's like, oh, this is so cool. Everyone's seeing me, but because it's like, I get emotional about this. When I see myself doing things for God's kingdom, I've seen myself do a lot of things. I've seen myself like drinking and partying and smoking and all the things. Like I've seen my face associated with so much darkness to see myself associated with light is like, it's just a reminder. Like, look at God. This is crazy. You know, it's like, I still can't believe it. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's in work. Yes. You version. That's a great app. Yeah. Well, Tony, thank you so much for being here today just to share your practical steps and your wisdom in this area of allowing God to fully heal us from past and present wounds that leave us so broken. So Mm. what you've done just brings such hope you know, to know that we have a choice, right? Of laying our brokenness Mm. at his feet. And when we do, 
experiencing his healing. Mm. Yay. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Thanks for having Mm -hmm. me. And for our listeners, pick up a copy of Tony's book, Brave Enough to be Broken. You will find Mm -hmm. the link in our show notes. And lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.